Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you are here for the very first time, you're, you picked a great Sunday. We are starting a brand new message series entitled Identity Theft. And uh, in October of 2017, last year, um, probably half of this room got an email from the Experian Credit Monitoring or Credit Car Credit company. They monitor your credit. Um, they kind of, you know, let you know whether or not uh, how you're doing and different things, credit scores and all that. Um, and what they did was they emailed you and said, somebody has hacked our system and they have stolen your identity. Well, that caused a lot of panic and everything, which it should. And people put their credit on freezes. They went ahead and signed up with monitoring companies. It's an awful feeling when somebody tries or attempts or does take your identity. And really, when you think about it, what are they truly doing? They are impersonating you. They're impersonating your decisions. They're impersonating actions, which can cause ultimately your real identity to be tarnished. And all month long, we're going to talk specifically about an identity theft that actually happens in the Bible, but it actually happens every day in our spiritual lives. Now, after that credit card disaster in October and everything, all of these credit card companies, they started putting out commercials to raise awareness with regards to identity and the importance of protecting your identity. In fact, this is one of them. So take a look at the screen. Spending limit? Who cares? Not us, cause them ain't all credit cards. Sure ain't. Them motorcycles was expensive and fast. And loud. Oh yeah, them bikes be like, Wah! No, no, like, oh, they went like, Wah! <laughs> Sound good cause they free. Shoot. Yeah, shoot. City Identity Theft Solutions. Talk to a real person to help get your life back. Free when you get a city credit card or city bank account. And there are a lot of individuals who um, have gone through a lot of pain with regards to it. If you're taking notes, I'm going to set this up and I'm going to tell you where we're going in just a second. But if you're taking notes, um, the truth is, is what defines your identity? What defines our identity? If someone was going to talk specifically about you and identify who you are, what are they really doing? And I want you to write this down. Identity is defined by what you did, what you didn't do, or what you continuously do. Identity is defined by what you did, what you didn't do or what you do. I always love when individuals, um, whether you're having lunch with someone and you don't know someone and you say, tell me about him, tell me about her. Um, and haven't you been at two different lunches and asked two different people to describe the person you're talking about and you get two totally different descriptions of a person. And typically they're based upon decisions that that person has done or not done or what they currently do. If you're taking notes, write this down and we're going to come back to it. Your decisions define your identity. Bottom line, our decisions define our identity. Every single day in small towns, All it takes is one decision that defines your identity to a town. And it becomes difficult to get out from underneath that. Well, I'm going to introduce you to two different people. If you're new to the Bible, we're going to take you to a story. And it's a tragic story about an amazing 
person. In fact, there's two people. And we're going to compare and contrast them. One of the individuals' name is Stephen. And Stephen, um, you're going to see, is going to make a decision that is going to be tragic for his life. But in the Christian world, Stephen has an incredible identity, and we're going to unpack it, and we're going to talk about that. Um, And we're going to nail down, Terry, why today is Stephen known as one of the heroes to the Christian faith? In this same story, there is a man by the name of Saul, And by the way, all month long, we're going to talk about a guy named Paul. If you guys have been Christians for a while and you know the Bible, you know I'm talking about the same person. But I don't want to confuse anybody. So today, we're talking about Saul. And I'm going to introduce Saul to you. And you're going to see where his identity at that moment lied. And the fact that a decision that both of them make defines their identity. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 6. We're going to begin in 13 and 14. If you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're here. If you download the YouVersion Bible app, you get all the notes associated with the message, so that way you don't have to take time writing it down, and you can just kind of pay attention to the screens. But again, we're going to take a look at two individuals, Stephen and Saul, and what defines their identity and how it relates to you and I. Here we go. Acts 6, 13 and 14. I'll step back here. The lying witnesses said, this man, Stephen, is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Pause. So a little context, if you're new to the Bible, you have these religious leaders. You have these Jewish religious leaders. They're there. They're called the high council. The high council, they're responsible for knowing the scriptures and to be able to tell individuals what is right, wrong, what is true and not. They also, they really guard the scriptures to make sure that whatever is taught is actually tied to the scripture. So they don't like it when individuals say things that they don't think matches what the scriptures say. And Stephen is a man who follows the way. Back in this time, if you were a follower of the way, it meant that you believed in Jesus Christ. You believed that he was the son of God. You believed that he died for your sins and that he fulfilled the law, which means that the law now is fulfilled. It looks different. And so Stephen is there sharing about Jesus, the son of God, confess your sins, accept him as Lord and savior and be a follower of the way. Well, you can imagine what this high council thought about it. They, all of them, the people were no longer flooding to the council, to the religious leaders and asking them their opinion. They were hanging around with a guy named Stephen and saying, hey, tell me a little bit about this, Jesus. So the high council drags Stephen and they begin to parade false witnesses in front of Stephen who basically say, you're saying you're going to change the law of Moses. You're saying you're going to change the scriptures. What do you have to say for yourself? And you're going to see in just a moment, Stephen pause and make a decision in that moment that is going to change the course of his life. Take a look and see what Stephen says. You stubborn people. If you're new to the Bible and you don't think there's smackdowns in the Bible, there were. He looked at these religious leaders dressed in ornate clothes and said, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. In that moment, Stephen made a decision 
to basically call them out and say, you murdered, you're responsible for the death of the Son of God. He made a decision in that moment that is going to change the course of his life. Because you can just imagine what those religious leaders felt like. Number one, they called them heathens. He said they were stubborn. He said, you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't listen to God. In other words, someone had the gall to stand and confront the high council. Well, if you know the Bible, you can imagine what the high council did. Very mature reaction by the high council, let me tell you. This is actually in the Bible. Take a look at this and picture it in your minds. The high council, they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, la, 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 la. True story. You thought that was your kids? No. It was the religious leaders. And they rushed at him. And they dragged him out of the city. And they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats. They laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can look on the hillside next to the Temple Mount, next to where the Temple of God once stood. And in a little valley called the Kidron Valley, there is a church called St. Stephen's Church. And it marks the place where Stephen was stoned to death by the religious leaders and the many zealots that followed the religious leaders. There's a picture of a church right there. And there was a man named Saul that the people, and you say, well, Terry, I saw that they laid their coats in front of Saul. Well, basically, in order to get a better throw, you had to take your coats off. And so all these men took their coats off and laid it in front of Saul and they began to throw stones. A brutal, brutal, brutal way to die. But Stephen made a decision at that moment which really charted a course for his identity. In fact, if you take a look at the screen, in history, this is what Stephen is known for. This is his identity. He was the first Christian martyr. Did you know at this time, he was the first to stand and say, I am willing to die Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And no matter what happens, I'm going to stand here. No matter what you do, I'm willing to die for my faith. Because he did that. He was a hero of the Christian faith. He inspired, one of the first to inspire the spread of Christianity. You got to understand, Christians were persecuted like crazy during this time. They were afraid. Jesus had died and they thought, well, you know, we think he rose from the dead. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Should we just go back to fishing? Should we just do our own thing? I mean, if we really stand up, we're going to cause trouble. And Stephen stands for them and inspires a movement of people. And all these other followers of the way began to have more courage. One decision changed the course of history and also the identity of Stephen. The church was built there to commemorate a place of his death, but I want you to focus on Stephen was zealous. He was sold out. He was a servant leader, and he made a decision to follow what God wanted him to do. Not what Stephen wanted, but what God wanted, and he cost him his life. Now, the next verse of this story, hang with me, and we're going we're gonna to get practical because you all are looking at these little kind of white things here going, what is he up to? You'll see in a second. But the next verse talks about Saul. Remember, we talked about Stephen, and Stephen made a decision that formed his identity. Well, there is a guy by the name of Saul, and he's also going to make a decision that at that moment is going to form his identity. And here's the next verse. Saul was one of the witnesses, and 
he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. That's one of the verses we see in Saul. And it shows the character and identity of Saul. That as Stephen, a man of God, is being killed, makes a decision to follow God, Saul makes a decision on his own, which is going to cause him to be known as one of the brutalist killers and chasers of Christians. In fact, later on in Scripture, if you're new to the Bible, Saul actually looks back into his past and says, this is what I was known for back then. This was my identity. Take a look at this. He said, I was a persecutor. I attacked and captured Christians. I was a blasphemer. I spread gossip and lies about Christians. I was an injurer. I would beat and kill Christians. I was a non-believer. I didn't believe that he was a son of God or Lord. I was the chief of sinners. You name it, I did it. But he was also very zealous. And he was sold out. What's the difference between these two people? If you're a Christian in this room, you know what happens to Saul next week. That's a teaser for all of you to come back if you really want to find out what happens to Saul. But how did that guy, how did Saul, how is his life changed next week? Two different people, two different decisions, but what formed at that moment their decisions? What formed their identity? Here's the the truth of it. A lot of us in this room, we are identified by a decision that we once made in our past or something that we did, like we talked about. I'm known in Miramar, Florida, true story. I am known at one church. If I walked into that church today, there's a couple people that are still there. Um, They know me not as Terry. They know me as the oatmeal man. True story. They know me as the oatmeal man. And it's because of a decision that I made. I was kind of snookered into it. You see, a long time ago at a youth group, there was a foxy young lady that I really liked. Yes, I said the word foxy. For those of you who are a little younger in age, that was really cool back in the 60s and 70s. I'm just saying. Um, Foxy young lady. Her name was Jennifer. She later became my wife and is still my wife to this day. And at that time, she invited me to come to this youth group event and they were kind of doing some kind of skit and they pulled out of this little tub and they put it in front of everybody and it was an empty tub and they said, okay, we need one strong, courageous volunteer who's willing to volunteer for something you don't know what you're volunteer for. Of course, nobody raises their hand. Well, I'm sitting there next and this foxy young lady, Jennifer, she was kind of a part of leadership at that time and I wanted to impress her and just show her that I'm not afraid and I'm a manly man and I can do this. And so I raised my hand. And so I looked at her and I expected her to just kind of give me a little wink and just a, wow, you're just amazing. No, instead she just kind of (laughs) and turned and looked away and I had no idea what I was in for. So I get up and I go and they kind of turn me around. They put me in this tub and then I see Jennifer get up because she was one of the helpers of this game, which I didn't know about. She walked all the way up. She prepared all this. So they go and they get this big tub of oatmeal. And what they were teaching about is, is that we can be changed in a moment. And so they were going to show if we take this pile of oatmeal and smear it all over Terry, that he will be a changed person. Obviously, you can understand, and Christ can change us in a moment. So that was the lesson. Well, I stand in there, and I think, oh, great, I'm going to get oatmeal on me. I mean, you know, it'll be funny, but that's okay. It's not a big deal. So I stand there, and all of a sudden, they all start putting oatmeal on my head, my face, and everything else. And then I see the faces of all the people and they begin to go, oh, and then I get a whiff. 
See, what they didn't tell me is that Jennifer and many of the other people, they went in the back to prepare this oatmeal. And instead of just preparing regular oatmeal, they decided to dump pounds of garlic powder into the oatmeal. I stunk for a week. Okay, ladies, put that in your hair and see how that feels. It was awful. And so all night long for the rest of the event, I showered, I hosed off and everything else. I stunk. And so get this. I'm hoping that I might get a little hug, maybe a little peck on the cheek from the foxy lady that I like. She didn't even want to come near me because of all that garlic. That was the worst decision I ever made. And because of it, when I go into that church, I'm known as the oatmeal man to this day. I bet if you were really to think about it with different groups of people, if, you, if someone asked you, what are you known for? What's your identity? Depending on the group of people and depending where you're at, you're known for different things. You have a different identity. And so Stephen is known for being the first Christian martyr. But what separates Stephen from Saul? Not much. Some of you say, no, Terry, two different people, two amazingly different people. How could you say that? No, no, no. There is one moment in the brain, one moment in a process that separates a person like Stephen and a person like Saul. There is one moment that separates some of the best Christians in this room to the person who just came in this morning. It's your first time to church. You've never been there before. You feel guilty. You don't even want to look at God. You don't even want to listen because you feel so overwhelmed and you're looking at all these other Christians smiling and waving their arms as they worship and you're saying, I am so awful. They're amazing and I'm terrible. Their identity is a Christian. I don't even want people to know my identity. What separates those two different types of people? It's one process, one decision. Let me show you the passage of scripture. We skipped over it. We ran past it. But I want to show you what separates Stephen from Saul, you and me. Take a look at this. He said this to them. You stubborn people, you're heathen at heart, deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? In that moment, Stephen gives us insight what separates him and Saul, you and me. He says, you stubborn people, when information comes your way, you make decisions that are based on yourselves and I make my decisions based on something entirely different. If you fell asleep at all during all of that introduction, here's the one thing I want you to take away and I'm about to set it up and I'm about to show it to you. So wake up, pay really close attention. Stephen in that moment introduced for history what I like to call a five-second rule for every person. You want to make a decision and be known in your identity for the things of good. You need a five second rule. Some of you are laughing right now because you're thinking, Terry, I know what the five second rule is. And I don't think I want to try that five second rule. I'm not talking about this five second rule. Take a look at the screen. Not this one. Nice one, Joy. Whoa! No way! We are not eating that. Discuss. It's fine. It passed the five-second rule. The grape touched the ground. It's poison. Oh, come on. It barely touched the ground. Wait, what? You know what else barely touches the ground? Stray dogs. Hold on. Toenail clippings. Roadkill. Yippee! Oh! Down needles. Stop it. You can't believe it. Uh, shouldn't we do something? <laughs> no. It's a grape. It's not like we're eating... Broccoli? Ugh, don't even go there. Or boogers. <laughs> You're evil. Or dog food. Shut your mouth. Not that five-second rule. Let's be honest in here. Some of you do play that five-second rule. 
when you got three kids, you don't care about the five-second rule. It doesn't matter anyway, does it? Anyway, I'm talking about a totally different five-second rule. Here's the truth. Um, whether you're a Christian or not in this room, in life, um, psychologists, everybody, all the people who are really smarter than me, they will tell you that all of us face the same kind of thinking process. All of us begin this process. And if you focus really here, here's the difference between Stephen and Saul. All of us, we gain information every single day and we make decisions, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions every single day. Your decisions define your identity. Remember, we talked about that at the beginning. And some of the decisions are really small. You go out to dinner, you go to a restaurant, what am I gonna eat? Some of you pick the menu up and you take a lot of time looking at every menu item. Some of you, you get to the restaurant, they put the menu in front of you, you open it up for two seconds, you close it. I know what I want, chicken parmesan. You have that all the time. I know. I love it. Decision made. Done. You get information, all of us. And so what I like to say is all of us face a thinking process the same. We gather a lot of information. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I really do believe that many of you might change the course of your life. We all get information. And then what all smart people more than me will say is immediately after you gain information, your brain begins to process that information. But what really happens in your brain at that moment? Let me simplify it because I've read a lot of research on it and I can confuse all of you really quickly. The simplest that I can put this for me, because I need that, is, is that immediately when we get information, the first thing that we do is our self, who we are, takes over. Immediately after you get information, within the first split seconds of information, here's what your brain does. Do I recognize that? Do I have any history with that? Let me smell it. Let me look at it. Does it familiar? Have I been here before? Have I done that before? What's my experiences? What's my history? You immediately go to yourself and all of your interactions in your past and you try to line up the information with any experience, history, or knowledge that you have as a human being so that you can make a good decision. Immediately, that's what your body does. That's what your heart does. That's what your mind does. Yourself takes over the information process and many times, like going to the restaurant, you sit at the restaurant, they hand the menu and go, oh, no, 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 no. I smell the smells. I've been here before. Chicken Parmesan, I've had it 15 times. I'm having it again. Decision made. You don't even think twice about it. How many of you have been at that restaurant? Your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend looks at you and said, you have been here every time and that's all you ever get. Why don't you try something new? No, don't have to. My history, everything in me says, this is a good experience. This decision is going to be safe and this is what I want. If I dare choose something different, it might create a different history and I don't want that. Let's play it safe. How many of you have been with a person that they don't order the same thing ever? Because they go in and they go, all right, my information says I've had this before, so I don't want to do that again, and so I'm going to choose something different. We all get information, and immediately it goes to ourself. Now, that's a simple thing. But there are a lot bigger decisions at stake for the single adults in this room. It's I've been in this position before. I'm facing my heart telling me and my mind and my emotions telling me that I should do this. And everything feels right and everything looks right and it feels right. And so I'm going to make a decision based on self. There's dangers to self. There's positives, but there's negatives. And within the first second or so of any information, the first part of your body that tells you what to do is going to be your self. If you're a Christian in this room, you have a different option. If you're not a Christian in this room, 
you try your best with yourself to make your decisions. But really quickly, if you pay attention in the next 30 seconds, hear me out. I truly believe in all my heart that God wants all of us to institute, if you're a Christian, a five-second rule. I really believe that God says to me, Terry, when you get information, if you would just pause for five seconds, if you would get past your information, your history, that's good, history, experience, we all have that, that's not bad, that's good, that's good, but it is not the only thing or way you're supposed to make a decision. In fact, if you make that decision based on self, it's for you, but you got to see Terry... What God and what the Holy Spirit says to me is, Terry, do you want to make your decisions for yourself or do you want to make your decisions for me? Because Terry, what I really want to do is come into your life and I want to take your identity. I want to come into your life and I want you to make a decision that will make you look more like me. So for every Christian in this room, what God really wants is he wants identity theft. He wants to come into your heart and life and say, I don't want you to make decisions for Terry. I want you to make decisions for me. And so Terry, if you give me five seconds, I can come and speak to you and tell you the right decision to make. And if you make that decision, you will look more like me, allowing me to take your identity. And that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. And so what I would say is for some of us in this room, we have to get past self. And those last four seconds allow the Holy Spirit to really, really speak and to minister. Did you remember what Stephen said? You stubborn people, you reject the what? Holy Spirit. You religious leaders, you have so much knowledge, but all of your decisions are based on what? Self. Not based on the Holy Spirit, not based on giving God the glory. You're about to stone me, and what good is that going to do for God's kingdom? Instead, you are so blinded by yourself that ultimately your decisions identify who you are. So here's my question for all of you in the room. Do you have a five-second rule? How many of you pause in the moment of a decision and say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? If you are willing to come back the next few weeks, there is something that Saul, I'll just leave it there, says And I want you to see ultimately where he gets to. And we're going to fill in the blanks next week. This is what Saul said. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is I, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if you have no idea about that story, you're sitting here going, Terry, how did that guy get to that point? Exactly. It's all because he instituted a five second I close with this. There's a story long ago, and, and I'm, I'm going to make this quick because of time. There's a story long ago because some of you in this room, in the balcony or watching online, you're saying, Terry, it can't be that simple. Terry, my identity is stuck. I am always going to be known for this, and there's nothing God can do to change me. I want to promise you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to really move in your life, he can change you drastically. There is a man by the name of Steve Saint. Steve Saint is the son of Nate Saint. Nate Saint was a missionary. And Nate Saint went with a guy named Jim Elliott and they flew all the way down to the, an indigenous area of the jungle. There was an Aka Indian tribe that was threatened by modernization. And they had a heart for these Aka Indians. No one had made contact with them before. And they wanted to go and be able to not only explain who Jesus was, but also create peace in the area with all the modernization going on. So Nate, Jim Elliott and others, they flew all the way down. They established contact. They're loving on these Aka Indians. And one Aka Indian came out of the jungle at one point because he didn't know their intentions and he thrust a spear 
into the hearts of Jim and Nate Saint, killing them both, missionaries who were making a decision for God. You can imagine the families. You can imagine Steve Saint, how he felt the son about losing his father to an angry man who made a decision based on himself. You want to know what the Holy Spirit can do? I want you to see an interview with Steve Saint standing right next to the man who killed his father. And I want you to see what God did to this man who killed Steve's father. Take a look at the screen. People ask grandfather and me two questions all the time. They want to know if it's really true that we love each other. But the other question that they ask us is how something like this can happen. A USA Today editor, when he was interviewing us, said, you know, I can understand possibly forgiving the man who killed your father. But he said, but loving him, that seems almost morbid. And you know, it would be if it wasn't true. But the answer to why and how something like this can happen is really very simple. It's God's grace and the power of his word. Now I'm going to ask Grandfather to tell you in his own talk what God has done for him. And then I'm going to translate it into your talk as best as I can. A long time ago I wasn't a God follower. Nobody had ever come to teach me how. Even my parents and grandparents, the ancient ones too, nobody had ever come to teach them how could we walk this trail. We hadn't seen the markings that mark this trail. So how could we find it? And then he said, what are we going to do? And then one day, two women came to live with us. One was Dayuma, who had fled from killings in the tribe. And the other one, he said, was Nemo, Star, my Aunt Rachel. Coming, they said... Are you people living angry and hating like you used to? Haven't you seen God's markings? And we said, how could we see it? And then they said to us, people, if you keep walking your own trail, when you come to the end, what's going to happen to you? Where will you be? And we had to say, coming to the end of our trail, They'll just put us in the hole in the ground and we'll be dead. Grandfather said, and then, and then something that I didn't expect happened. I had been listening to this talk and I knew it was a good talk. But because my heart was so dark, I couldn't understand it. He said, but then... The Creator, Wangungi, He sent Wangungi Onawoka, His Holy Spirit, coming. He took a very strong blood that Jesus, His Son, dripped and dripped for me. 
And with that strong blood, he did what you foreigners do with soap. When your clothes are dirty and they have stains on them and you have to wash them. Wengung Ionawoka took Itota's blood. And with that very strong blood, he washed my heart until it was clean like the sky when it has no clouds in it. Grandfather stood next to the son of a man that he killed. And he said, you want to change your identity? Allow the Holy Spirit to reside in your heart. Allow God to take your identity and allow him to make the decisions in and through your life. And if you do that, you can change your identity. You can change your path. Remember, your decisions will dictate your identity. Will you institute that five-second rule? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to change your life? Would you pray with me? Father, right now, there are some in this room that are not Christians and they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And God, one thing I do know is, is the Holy Spirit always knocks. And if you're in this room today and if you'd say, you know what, Terry, I, I want the Holy Spirit. I want better decisions. I want to be guided. I want to allow God to take my identity and I want to live for him. Then it's very simple. I just offer this prayer and you could pray it in your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross, for being the son of God. And thank you that because of that, you have wiped my sin from my life. Thank you that you've forgiven me and thank you that you send your Holy Spirit into my life to help me to make the wise choice so that I can begin to live for you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you that because of that decision, I will spend eternity with you. If you prayed that prayer, your identity has changed today. If you're a Christian in this room, I pray that you'd remember it's the Holy Spirit that defines your identity. Allow those five seconds. Allow that Holy Spirit to reside. Listen to the words of this song. Join in. May God speak to your hearts in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.